Welcome to The Clinical Entrepreneur, a business podcast that's dedicated to healthcare practitioners just like you who are hustling every day to build a business and a life you're proud of. Join me, Rhonda Nelson, as I share my own experiences and extract actionable advice from industry experts about what it takes to build and scale a profitable wellness practice. Well, hey there. Today, we have got a great subject to talk about, and that is hiring your first or fifth or 20th employee. Hopefully, I'm going to be able to give you some great tips and insights about how to successfully hire. In fact, I've got a five-step, five things for you to consider, I guess my five steps uh, for hiring an employee. So, you know, employing employing people is always a challenge and it's a risk. You know, you hire someone, it's a big risk because you never know if that employee is going to be a good fit. Are they, you know, did they interview really well? We've all had this happen, right? They interview well and then they come in and then you're like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? This is a disaster. This person's just sitting on their phone all the time or whatever. So uh, it, it's like, I always say, it's like throwing spaghetti against the wall. You just never know what's going to stick. So hopefully today I'm going to give you some tips and I've got something surprise for you at the end uh, that's going to help you be able to hire a little bit better. So once you, you know that how the drill goes, right? Once we start the interview process, they interview really well, they show up, they're really kind, et cetera. Then you get them in the door and then you find out they're a disaster, but, and they're not a good fit, but then you think, well, here, here's what we do. We think, well, I really don't want to fire them because I don't want to hurt their feelings. And besides who wants to fire people, it's not fun. And then, you know, you're left again with this vacancy in your practice and you really need a body. And so what happens is we just start to tolerate bad behavior inside the business. You get frustrated because you see your front desk person out there on their cell phone or checking social media during work hours or and or, and or you are not communicating well what your expectations are and being the leader that you can the be, the best leader that you can be in this situation so the employee gets away with subpar behavior you start getting you know resentful and upset and then the relationship starts to erode and then everybody's kind of mad because nobody's really talking about it your employee is like mad because you're mad and the employee doesn't have the work ethic but you don't have the guts to be able to say anything to the employee and back and around and around and around and around it goes until at some point somebody blows up somebody walks out or you get mad and say you're fired that's it and it never ever ever ends well so what we want to do is we want to start this relationship off, this new hire relationship off on the right foot. So here are my five steps to my kind of what I call a fail-proof method. Now, I'm not saying that I have not made some bad, you know, hire decisions because sometimes somebody just sneaks through and you don't know it. I've had several of them over the last three or four years. And sometimes someone will sneak through and you go, ooh, that was a, that did not work out well, but that's all right. Because then you just move on. You say, okay, what could I learn from that experience? And how can I make sure that I screen for that a little bit better when I'm hiring the next time? So now let's talk about how you can bring the right people into your practice the first time. Now, first, I want to say, I have decided that I am not going to do this spray and pray method, meaning I'm just going to 
throw a job ad out there and just let it be what is like you just come on, come all. If I build it, they will come. If I put the job out there, of course, people are going to apply you. It's not we can't do that anymore. The first thing you have to do, number one, step one, get clear about your core values and your work culture. Now, before you start rolling your eyes at me like, oh, geez, here she goes. Listen to what I'm saying. Just give me a chance here before you hit the stop button. Anyone can learn how to do a job. Anyone. Look, you are a practitioner of some kind or another. You didn't know how to do it when you went to school. You didn't know it till someone taught you how to put an acupuncture needle in or how to give a shot or how to adjust a vertebrae. You didn't know how to do any of that, but you learned. So anyone can learn a job. Anyone. Okay. So it's not the skills of the job that are the important part. But here's what you have to consider. Not everyone is a good fit in your culture. So every office has a culture. My culture is, one of my core values is fun. It's a hands down fun. If we can't laugh, we can't be ourselves and and just do something funny. Like we use GIFs a lot in my um, business and we're all virtual. But even when I had a brick and mortar, like it has to be fun or I am not doing it. Now, that being said, the next practitioner down the street is not really a fun dude. He doesn't know how to laugh. He's not a very fun dude. People like him, but they they're he's quiet and he's very straight and he's that and so we're going to call that like the lawyer's office type practice, okay? So in mine, mine is more like Birkenstocks and let's just hang out. And I just want to laugh and get to know you and have a good time and make you feel loved, accepted, and that you're just like the most important part of my world to me. That's my culture. But the guy down the street, he has a culture that's much more quiet. When you come in, there's quiet like harp music playing and there's a little waterfall and everyone sits really quietly and the receptionist is very put together. She has her little shirt on that has the brand on it. And everybody's like pretty chill and mellow. That's that culture. So now let me ask you, when you throw your ad out there on Indeed or a ZipRecruiter or wherever you're going to put it, how do you, how does the person know that might be applying that they would be a good fit in your culture? They don't have any idea because what they see is must have computer skills, must have good communication skills, must be able to answer the phone, must be good with people, must be able to have good written skills. Well, what does that have to do with your culture? Because let me tell you what, if I hire someone who is real buttoned up and tight and very stoic and, you know, put together, I'll say, and I bring them into my culture, I'll kill them. Not me. I mean, they'll die in my culture. They won't thrive there. But if you take me and someone that I might attract and you put me over in that other dude's office with the Zen music and the waterfall, oh, no, 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 and no, that is never going to work for me. I will never thrive in that environment. So talking about your culture, your vibe, like who you are, what you do, what you love, the people you love to serve, you want to describe that in your job application or your job posting, I should say. It's really important because what you want 
is for the person that reads that job ad, the very first thing we want to screen for before the job. I mean, you can put a little bit in there about it, but before that ever happens, you've got to get your culture in there. And you say, we are an upbeat culture, our office. We love having fun. It's really important to us to laugh a lot and own our own mistakes and just be transparent. And we are an all hands on deck kind of practice. In other words, if one person's struggling, we are all in there. We're going to all help. If we need to stay late and clean or pick up or whatever, but we, we do it and we do it together and we have a great time doing it. So now if I've just described that culture and then we got someone who's applying and they are like, no, I only do my job. I'm not doing someone else's job. I don't get paid to do someone else's job. They're clearly not going to be a good fit for you. So describe your culture. The goal is to pique the interest of someone reading your job description that shares your common values and that you want to find people that want to work in an environment that feels right to their soul, right for their soul. All right. That's step one. Step two, write a compelling job description. Now, I already kind of alluded to this, but if you just say, you know, must be proficient in blank, 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 the standard kind of job description, you will get resume spams every day, all day. They're just going to send you a resume, send you a resume, send you, send you. We don't, I don't care. If you just blanket send me a resume, it automatically goes in the trash. I don't care if you're the best candidate in the world. I will not look because you didn't read my, my job posts. And I'm going to get to why I know this in just a second. So I want you to think about who you're going to be hiring. Now, here's a little tip for you. I'm 60 at this moment of this recording. And this year I'll be 61. Now, I have a pretty young heart. I don't feel 60. I feel pretty young. And I know that in a perfect world, I would probably like to hire someone who thinks like me. Now, my generation thinks very different than the millennials. Now, my children are millennials, and I think very differently than my children do. It's not that they don't have good work ethic and all that because I raised them that way, but they just are in a different generation. You have to account for generational differences. So here's what I want you to know. Right now, as of this recording in early 2023, the Gen Xers make up about 35% of the workforce. 35% of the people applying for your job are going to be Gen Xers. Gen Xers are between 41 and 56. Now, millennials comprise almost 40% of the workforce. They're even more. And the millennials are between 25 and 40 years old. Now, here's the difference. I'm going to read these to you because I want you to see this. Gen Xers, this is our older, right? I'm a baby boomer. Right behind me is the Gen Xers. They're motivated for a desire for job security. They're looking for opportunities for growth and development. And work-life balance is very important to them. They want meaningful work that aligns with their values and allows them to make an impact on society. And they also kind of are looking for some flexibility in their job, like to choose their own hours or work from home. Okay, that's what's important to a Gen Xer. Now, compare that to a millennial. Let's think about this. The millennials are roughly 25 to 40. They want purpose. They want to make an impact on the world. They are going to prioritize work-life balance and flexible working arrangements. Okay, the Gen Xers are like, "Mm, that's kind of important to me. Oh no, not so with the millennials. They are like, it is my priority. 
They want opportunities to advance. They want to grow. They want to continue learning. And they're going to look for work that aligns with their values and interests, much like the Gen Xers. And they're going to be drawn to organizations that have a clear mission and a purpose that resonates with who they are. So there's definitely some overlap, but you have to remember that between the Gen Xers and the millennials, you are going to, you're looking at 70%, over 75, 70%, almost 80% of the workforce are going to be in these two categories. Now, if you're old like me, then these are, this is, I, I understand my kids, but a Gen Xer, I kind of don't get them because they were that, you know, they're behind me or younger than me. I got to think like they think. I have to write my job description that's going to appeal to them because they're 70% of the workforce or more. Does that make sense? So don't write the job description how you would want it. Remember, you're not appealing to you. You're appealing to this generation. Now, if you are in this generation, you own your business, then great. You'll know how to do that. But for me, I have to be very aware of that. So just remember, when you write that compelling job description, you have to write it and speak to the person that you want to hire. What are the mission, the values, the purpose? What are the flex, what's the flexibility options? What is the additional learning that you might offer? Are you doing any kind of training? What difference are you making in the world? What difference are you making in the lives of your patients? Why is that important to you? Who do you want to bring into your team that can also make an impact? Those are things that have to be written in your job description. And honestly, listen, between you and me, I kind of just want to give an, a big eye roll. Like, oh, really? Come on. Can we just, here's me. I'm like, can we just get to the point? Look, I just need someone to do X, Y, and Z. Can you do this? Are you qualified to say yes or no? Okay, fine. You are great. Here's your job. I don't have time for messing around and screwing around. I am a get to the point kind of girl, get to the bottom line, and that's it. So all this stuff makes me crazy. So if you're listening to me right now and you're feeling like, oh my gosh, making me crazy, I'm on your team. I am on your team, but it's just the way it is. So number one, remember core values and culture. Number two, write a compelling job description. It's really important that you're attracting and speaking to that right audience. Number three, create a process that self-selects. And here's what I mean. When you post that job listing, You've got your culture. You've got a really good, you know, listing like, well, here's my purpose. This is what we're about in the world. This is about flexibility of hours, et cetera. You have all that stuff. I also highly recommend adding a section in your job description that says this position is a good fit for you if, and then list out your bullet points. If you da, 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 then you're going to have a next section that says this position is not all in capitals, good for you if, and then list all the things that it's not right for you. It's not right for you if you don't like to have fun. It is not right for you if you are not an all hands on deck kind of person. It is not right for you if you just want to try out this world of alternative medicine to see if you like it because you're kind of sort of interested in it. Like, you know, you get the tire kickers. So I write down, this is not for you if, and then I write it all down. So now, once I get my job description, my job posting done, and just so you know, mine are typically two pages long. I know, don't fall out of your chair, but they're about two pages long. So at the end of the two pages, here's what I put in the bottom. I want them to show me that they are tech savvy. I want them to show me 
how well they can respond and follow directions. And I build that into the job listing. So here's what I do. I ask them at the bottom to take an action. And I typically will ask them to take a one or two personality tests and attach a screenshot of the results. Attach a screenshot of the results. I want to see how do you do it? Did you use your tel- your phone, cell phone to take a picture? And then you just send me this random phone picture that I can't even open half the time? Or are, did you do a screenshot? Did you save it? Did you rename it? Are you naming it and attaching it to the response? Like, I want to see what they did. I also, eh, I'm kind of interested in their personality a little bit. That's fine. That's just a- added benefit. The second thing I do is I ask them specifically at the very end, like these are the last three sentences of my job posting. I will say, listen, I want you to send me a copy of your resume and the two screenshots to, and I give them an email address. And then I say with the subject line, blue parrot hat. That's all, blue parrot hat. And now if, uh, just as a side note, if you're using Indeed or ZipRecruiter, they don't like you to put emails in the body of the job description. So the way they'll flag it. So the way you get around that is you just put a space in there somewhere. Like you're going to send it to like info at, you would put info at and a space and then put, you know, rondanelson.com or whatever. That space takes away that alert in their software so you can get by with it. And people will read it and they just think it's a typo. So you're going to ask them, send the screenshots, your resume to this email with this subject line, and then they will send it. So if I get a bunch of resume spam and it doesn't have come to me and it doesn't say blue parrot hat or red, yellow feather or whatever your three words are, but just three words, then what do I know? I know they didn't care enough to even read the job description all the way down to the end. And I'm not interested. I want to capture somebody who reads that first part about the culture, the community, then they get into the job and they're getting more excited and more excited and more excited. And they're reading this, this job is for you if, and they're, yes, yes, this is me. And if it's not right for you, if, yeah, no, no, I'm none of those things. Oh my gosh, this is a perfect job for me. I would be so perfect. And they read all the way to the bottom and then they see it and they do the work and they send it to me. When I get an email in my inbox that has blue parrot hat or whatever, oh, I'm so excited. I can't wait to see what they have. I'm so excited. So then the next step, once I get those in, those are the only people I talk to. If they resume spam me and I just get a, a generic email with a resume, I just, I literally hit delete. I won't do it. It's a no. So the next step is I ask them to send me a two minute video telling me why they would be perfect for this job. They have all the information in the job posting. I want to know. The reason I do this is I'm seeing what their tech skill is. How bad do you want to do the job? How able are you to do something that's uncomfortable for you? I mean, nobody wants to do that. That's like, that's a really uncomfortable to have to stare into a camera and sell yourself to a camp to the little green dot on your computer when you are like, just give me the dang job. Nope. And I also want to see their face. I want to see what do they look like? What is the energy that comes off their face? How is their smile? You know, how are they made up? What kind of clothes do they have on? What do you think is appropriate for a quote video that you're going to send to an employer? And let me tell you, a potential employer, let me tell you, I've had some doozies over the year. Because one day I should just 
put little snippets of them out there and block out the eyeballs or something. I mean, I've had some doozies. I've had people respond in their like man kind of t-shirt with crazy hair in their kitchen. I had one guy that responded one time and he was lifting weights in this two minute video to show me how strong he was. And he wanted me to know that he was really strong enough to be able to handle the pressure of the job. I'm not kidding you. There are some freaky people out there that just have a really twisted kind of idea about what it's like to work in a professional office. So I asked him to send me a two minute video. And then if I like the two minute video, then I'm going to provide some situational questions like, what would you do if, and these are usually around culture, belief. I'm definitely testing math skills. One time I hired someone, this is when I started adding math skills in, I hired someone and I just assumed she would know how to do percentages like, you know, 25%, 50%. So at in that business at that time, this was years, years ago, we were doing a 25% off. Well, she didn't know how to calculate that and she did it backwards. So she was selling everything at 75% off and, and only charging the patient 20 or the individual, the customer 25%. And I kept looking at my bank account going, we're doing a lot of business. Why is my bank account not good? And nobody said anything. Of course, the patient or the, well, I keep saying patient, the customer is so happy they got 75% off. Ugh. So I learned math skills are important to add. So there you go. So this step, once they respond, blue parrot hat, you are going to walk them through about four or five different steps here. Take your time, take your time. And if they are willing to jump through all those hoops, by the time you do this next step, oh my gosh, they're going to be so just enraptured with your whole process and so excited. They can't wait to work for you. They will feel validated and taken care of. It takes time to architect this out, but I'm telling you, it is worth it. It is worth it. All right. Step number four, this is the fun part. Number four, once you get through all of that, you're probably going to have two, maybe three people at the end. Every once in a while, I've just really had one good candidate at the end. And I might've had 200 that started, about a hundred of them, you know, responded with the blue feather hat. And then another half of them, 50, I got 50 videos back. And of those, only 25 took the skills test. And then they just started dropping out and you end up with like three at the end. It's just how it works. So the step number four, you're going to take them out to dinner. Yes, yes, yes. You're going to take them out to dinner and you're going to ask them to bring their spouse or significant other with them. Because what I'm looking for here is what are their social skills? So I want to take them out to dinner and my husband and I, we would be together. So we'd be four people. And I want to see how do they treat their significant other? Is there kicking under the table going on? Is there derisive, you know, jabby comments going back and forth? Because you can bet what happens at home is going to come into your workplace. Uh, you've seen it happen. So we are going to nip that in the bud. I also want to see what do they do when it comes to ordering? How do they treat the wait staff? And what is their alcohol consumption like? Do they just keep ordering bottle wine and a glass and a more glass and a more glass and a more glass? Like, are they starting to get tipsy at dinner? Like, is this going to be a problem? I'm just looking for all of those things. I'm just being honest with you all. So you want to take them out. You want to see, are they nervous or fidgety? Are they, do they make good eye contact, poor eye contact? Are they back and forth to the bathroom all the time? Is there awkward pauses? Do they know how to carry conversation? 
These are the things that you want to look for when you take them out to dinner. This, you never, ever, ever skip this step. It's really, really important. And then lastly, number five, you're going to write them an offer letter. Do not just say casually, well, okay, you've got the job. You write them an offer letter and you say, I'd love to offer you the job. Here are the terms of the employment. And you're going to list it all out. If you're offering benefits, if you're offering time off, if here's the hourly rate, here's when the position will start, here are the hours that you'll work, here are the flexible days that you have to take off for personal, um, here are our holidays that we uh, offer during the year. You're really going to write it all out in an email to them and then ask them to respond back to you and let you know, can't wait to hear from you. Um, we would really love to have you on our team. And let me know if this is agreeable to you. And then we'll move forward and get you going as quickly as possible. What you want is for them to agree back. So they're going to hit that email back. Every once in a while, I'll have someone that'll come back and say, yeah, this is all agreeable to me. Uh, but I want to ask you a question, a clarifying question about one thing, because you should have really covered all of this, you know, during the hiring process or the interviewing process. But I want to give them an opportunity to, quote, accept the position. And then once they do, then I'm starting, I'm going to be rolling out the red carpet as part of their ongoing or their onboarding process. I want to make them feel loved and welcomed. I always have flowers delivered if it's a virtual position or at the office for the day one uh, buy them lunch that first day, have a team meeting. If there are other employees, if not, it's a special meeting between the two of us. Like I want that new person to feel like I want them to leave at the end of the day and go home to their family and say, oh my gosh, I have never been treated so good in my whole life. That's what we want to have that experience. The people that are onboarded well, will stay longer and are better, more reliable and consistent employees. And isn't that what we want at the end of the day, right? So there you go. There are your five steps to hiring. Now, there's a lot of gaps that I left in here. There's even more to this process, but how would you like it if I gave you a complete hiring guide that has every single step listed, it has all the email copy, including the email that says thanks, but no thanks in a very nice way. All the different steps that you go through, all the email templates, a tracker that helps you track the candidates as they come through. It has absolutely everything in it. And I would love to give it to you for free. All you have to do is go to rondanelson.com forward slash hiring guide, rondanelson.com forward slash hiring guide. And we put this together. Uh, we actually made this as a resource for um, another podcast that I was on. And we dug it up the other day when we were talking about this podcast. I said, oh, let's give everybody this resource. So again, it's the complete, my complete hiring guide system. It's this entire process, how to come up how to do your core values, then how to write the job description. There's some templates in there and it literally walks you through every single step. So whether you are a solo practitioner and you're looking to hire a VA, somebody to just help you part-time, or you're looking to hire a full-time person, or if you are an established practice and you've got multiple employees and you're thinking about adding another one, or you've got someone leaving, or you have to fire someone you need to hire, 
I got you covered, friend. This is such a robust resource. You cannot be without this. So rondanelson.com forward slash hiring guide. All right, friends. Whew, that's it for this week. It's like 5.30 uh, p.m. and it's sunny outside and it's time for me to go. I'm going to go sit on the back of the boat and I don't know, I might have to fix myself tonight. Might be the night for a gin sour. What do you say? I don't have them very often, but you all, for those of you that know me and know me well, you know, gin is my love language, except I maybe have one or two a month, maybe at that. I don't know. Tonight might be the night. All right, friends, take care. I'll talk to you next week on the Clinical Entrepreneur Podcast.